In the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Now, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. It feels like I have been gone for a long time. And it feels good to be back. Having been pretty ill with COVID for a few days, and then having the ability, thanks to a fairly quick recovery, to go with my family up to Shasta and then see my parents in Arkansas and then off to New York to be on retreat for a week with the Brotherhood, it feels like a very long journey. And on long journeys, as you all know, things kind of shake out a little bit, and then you re-enter, and you realize how much things have changed in your absence, or how things have drifted. And this morning, if you were behind the scenes with me, you would have known I was a little bit grumpy, to find little pockets of clutter that weren't here when I left. And to discover just a few minutes ago, John will bear witness to this, that uh, someone, probably in a fit of pique trying to get it to work, had pressed every single power button on our sound system while I was away. So figuring that all out five minutes before the service, you know, just makes me a little bit testy. So I'm actually a little bit sympathetic with the rabbi in today's gospel story when Jesus comes and does something unexpected on the Sabbath, it's a little bit like coming back and and noticing that the community facilities have been moved three inches to the left. You You just feel a little bit discombobulated. This is not what I was expecting. But of course, as you all know from Jesus' teaching, this is not the point, is it? This is not the point. When I was with the Brotherhood, we were at a new location. Uh, We had never been before. We were at the Seminary of the Immaculate Conception in Huntington, New York, which is on Long Island, about an hour and a half from JFK, 
as the train rolls. And uh, it's an old diocesan seminary. It's a pile of a place, a huge, beautiful facility built with God knows where the money came from. It was built in 1930. And if you know your history at all, that was at the height of the Depression in New York City. So one has to wonder, they must have found contractors and artisans from all over the city looking for work. And they built this place to last. Big, beautiful chapels. A uh, reredos, you know, the back behind the altar, made out of hammered brass. Glorious artistry. I'll show you pictures if you want to see it. But one of the fun facts was we were not the only community there. Another community was there, a community uh, called the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Mercy. It took us two Google searches to figure out which Daughters of Mary they were, because there are a lot of communities named that in the Roman Catholic Church. And it turned out we had several things in common, although you wouldn't guess it at first, Most of them are Nigerian expatriates. They were a community founded in Nigeria by a Roman Catholic bishop about a century ago. But like us, they are an apostolic community. They live and work out in the world, mostly to alleviate poverty, to offer medical care, and also educational services. And this was a group largely from Canada and the United States. They outnumbered us, and even though they were there to observe silent retreat for part of the time, we were surprised to learn they were noisier than we were. And for the first few days, you know, we sort of eyed each other a little bit warily as we passed up and down the stairs between services and meetings. They found this somewhat bemusing, and they finally had the temerity to ask, are you Jewish? No, not exactly. Of course, behind that would be another question. You're Protestant, so why are you here, you know? The funniest time came one morning at breakfast when they were chatting up a storm in their section of the refectory, and we were being unusually quiet, and someone, probably their superior, grabbed the microphone. I guess it was the beginning of their great observance of silence, and she said, silence, silence, please, silence. Silence, silence, needless to say, it wasn't working very well. It wasn't working very well. It became kind of a running joke for us. By the end of the week, we weren't looking at each other sideways anymore. We were laughing it up a little bit and having conversations and comparing notes a little bit. We were remembering what was important. And that's what today's readings are all about. What is important? We begin with Isaiah, that ancient prophet, who is talking to a people living in exile. What we know from history and what we know from patterns in both our tradition and also in Judaism is that when a community is sent into exile or is otherwise oppressed, There's a sense in which they try to conserve everything they possibly can that is related to their identity. It makes sense, right? When I was serving a Japanese-American congregation in San Francisco, 
we had a little bit of a joke at times that sometimes they were more Japanese than the Japanese were because they were living in a foreign land and they were conserving their heritage. It's very important. This is true of the ancient Israelites living in exile in Babylon. They are conserving their heritage, and one of the ways they do that is by observing the ancient rituals of their ancestors. The problem, Isaiah points out, is that those rituals, if they are only about preserving identity, end up running the risk of becoming empty. And it's a risk that we probably ought to relate to more than we would like. Because as a Christian community, meeting here in the Bay Area, where not a lot of people come to church, you all know the story, and especially here in Southern Marin, we can sometimes gather just for the sake of identity but we forget that our ritual is about so much more than that. Isaiah points out to those ancient exiles that the goal of their ritual is not simply to gather and remember who they are, but is to do things that serve the wider community and their neighbors. It's intended to lift the yoke from the oppressed, to remove the pointing of the finger from among them, from the accusations and the shaming that so marks human society and community on a regular basis, to let the oppressed go free, to offer a word that the year of the Lord's favor is upon us. Jesus might say what Isaiah is saying is to declare the good news. In the words of one of my favorite prayers in our prayer book, it is to step out of what the prayer calls the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. Our rituals, Isaiah warns, are empty unless they renew us and strengthen us to go out into the world and do what we are called to do. So your rector made note this morning that so much of the clutter that I found around the parish was because you all were busy doing important things for one another and for the world out there while I was away. So if you think you should just leave me in my grumpiness, that's probably a good idea. That's about me, not about you. Jesus reminds the synagogue community today of this important fact. And the teaching speaks for itself, right? It's a very clear passage as passages in the Gospels go. And in that beautiful moment, 
when Jesus confronts the hypocrisy of the leadership, he reminds all of us what this is about. The people are suddenly liberated to do the work they are called to do, and they rejoice. And sometimes shame is a little appropriate, right? In this case, his opponents are put to shame and can say no more. Because, of course, he's right. To lift the yoke from among you. To remove the pointing of the finger. To declare the year of the Lord's favor. To allow the light of God to lift and rise, not just upon us, but upon our neighbors and the communities where we serve to be bearers of the light and freedom offered by our God. That is why we are here, and that is why we go out there. That is why we recognize Christ is at work in our midst. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.